Good morning, Mountain. How's everybody doing? Good? Are you ready for this awakening series? Are you? Yes, these are my real pajamas. My kids will tell you that's the truth. And uh, we don't always show up in church in our pajamas, which is a good thing from what I hear some of you are uh, people who sleep in the buff. I've already heard more than I want to know about that. Um, But even though we don't show up in our pajamas, the truth is I'm wearing these as a reminder that I need uh, an awakening. I need an awakening just as much as I hope you realize you do. I don't know if everyone realizes it or not, but we all do, and that's what we're excited about. That's what we're ready for. We've been praying and preparing for this experience we're beginning right now for a long, long time. And I really believe there's going to be a move of God that's going to allow some of us to experience an awakening to God for the first time. And some of us are going to have a fresh awakening with a God that maybe we've known for a long time. But either way, it's going to be important. Now, the idea of awakening, we just have to admit... The idea of awakening isn't always a positive thought, right? I mean, at my house, uh, I have cushy, poofy little blankets that surround me, and we have four pillows on our bed. The reason we don't always like the idea of awakening is because it it signals this idea that you're getting um, roused out of a comfortable place, right? That's part of the issue with Awakening is, yes, indeed, we're being aroused out of a comfortable place. I mean, we even talk about sweet dreams, night, night, but then we say rude awakening, get up, and it, fe- it just feels uh, different. Now, at the same time, I think we also know that waking up, um, waking up, if we don't, we're going to miss something really, really terrible. Now, it's, it's, how we wake up is, is, uh, not, um, is, is going to vary. You know, take a look at this picture here. I, I think that waking up isn't such a joy for this guy right here. If you've got kids standing on your face every morning, it's not... I don't think this series is going to feel like a kid standing on your face, but it is going to call us to have, to, to enliven our senses, to awaken to the parts of our lives that are kind of off focus, off path, off track and awaken because otherwise we miss things. One time I was flying, I was kind of hustling through um, and I was dro- uh, had a layover in Charlotte and uh, it was a couple hour layover, got to my gate, still had an hour or so, I was like awesome. So I, I got time for a little nap. So I, I found some, a, a spot right behind some chairs and laid down right there on the floor, put a book behind my head. So I'm going to snooze a little bit here, hear the announcement, get on the plane. Of course, when I woke up two hours later, I had completely missed my flight and uh, missed my opportunity to get home. And I, and I think that's where a lot of us might find ourselves in life a lot of the time. And it's why we want to engage in an experience like this one, this awakening series. Because I think we have good intentions. We think I'm going to get home soon. We intend fully to just snooze a little while. But we go right through the alarm and we're missing stuff. You miss stuff unless you have an awakening. So as you think about your life, there's probably parts of your life that you're, you're allowing yourself to recognize right now as we're talking, that you're in a nice deep down goose-filled comforter. You've got some spiritual bedhead going on. And there could be an awakening. I hope you're allowing some of the hunger that sometimes we push down to rise to the surface so that we can awaken to God 
in ways that he and you both desperately long for. And the beautiful thing is God, God isn't slumbering. God is ready and eager to meet us in whatever kind of awakening we will allow. You know, I love that Psalm 121 passage that talks about how God is like our guardian God. And it says He, he won't let you stumble because he, he never falls asleep. Not on your life. The one who watches over you will never doze or sleep. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't drift. God doesn't get off focus. God doesn't sort of need an awakening. But we do. I love how Isaiah says it. compares us to animals like sheep. says all of us, every single one of us like sheep have gone astray. We float. We drift. Each of us has turn to our own way and that's why we need an awakening from time to time you know I'm not originally from Maryland uh, Minnesota guy and so you know probably 15 years ago we were here our kids were young we, uh, someone let us come over to the beach and so we were goofing off there and uh, it was a good moment because my, my kids were little they were playing in the sand there with Carla I was like hey I got some time I'm going to go out and figure out this body surfing thing I had a boogie board with me and you know how that is you get out there and you kind of just you kind of looking out there for the wave and you, you try to catch that one all that didn't work so you swim out try it again you know and, and then eventually you catch one and you ride that thing you know so much fun I went out there and did it again it kind of got the hang of it and I probably messed around like that for an hour or whatever I said well I better check in with the fam so I, I walk into the shore and they were gone I'm like nowhere it's like where were they where are they I mean they were like either left right they're, they're like nowhere it was kind of weird it's like so I don't know they go back in or what what's the matter you know and of course then I realized even the building had moved where we, were, where we were now, you know, so you're thinking, what a rookie, what a noob. You know, I had no idea. It was my kind of figuring this thing out, right? So, but you know what happened. The waves were coming in at an, at an angle, and I rode each one in, and I'd go back out and ride it in. I was about, I was over a quarter mile away from where I started. I had no clue where I was. But the, but the fact is, that's exactly what happens to us in our lives, isn't it? We drift, and we don't know we're drifting. And sometimes we don't mean to. We're just busy riding the wave of whatever's going on in our lives. We're going to school. We're raising the kids. We're getting busy. We're bettering ourselves at our career. We're running the sports. We're doing this. And we don't even mean to. But all of a sudden, you just sort of look up and say, okay, now where exactly am I? And you realize you're not where you thought you were. And you're maybe not where you really want to be. And there's a gap. There's a distance between you and your home with God. And this experience is an invitation to you and to every one of us to say to really honestly assess where are you with God and to say how can I close that gap and the beautiful thing is it's not really so much up to you when we drift when we drift and lose our way and we all do when we find ourselves in a stagnant place when we find ourselves stuck when we find ourselves just lazy or distracted or having lost focus when we find ourselves having incrementally sort of lost our senses about what's really important in life, God will help us and He will meet us. And friend, you can find your way back to God. You can find your way back to God. For that to happen, there has to be some kind of an awakening. Some of us hear this and we think, I don't know if this is true for me. I don't know if I really can find my way back to God. And others are like, I appreciate that you're talking to those other people, but I'm already in God. And I'm telling you, I don't care who you are, an awakening is always needed. That's what I've come to conclude as a pastor after many, many years. An awakening is always needed. I don't care who you are. And a lot of times it takes a kind of jolt, a sort of 
Something that alters your perspective, right? Something that comes and rings into your ear that sort of all of a sudden gives you that wake-up moment. Uh, Mike and Barb used to go to this church. They moved to Atlanta now. But um, about 100 days ago, Barb was in a horrific auto accident. And we've been tracking along and praying with them every day as he's been emailing these updates. But there she, as she lay there in the hospital in ICU, critical care, not breathing on her own, face smashed in, every bone in her body broken, so many organ issues, and honestly just didn't look like she'd ever make it. If she did, she'd never, she'd never come around. And Mike's relaying of what he went through through that experience was just so profound about how much it illuminated his deep love and devotion to her and what was ultimately important in his life and how he would never take another second for granted with her and God has begun to bring her around and it has been an awakening. And maybe you've had a brush with death or a close call or a loss of a loved one or a cancer that collected some energy from you or or something like that. Sending your kids off to school will do that. Sometimes we call it an epiphany, where you have an aha moment, like in the science lab, a eureka, I figured it out. All of a sudden, what was murky is clear, what was distant is near. Isn't it amazing in our lives how that happens? Some things are, they're so fuzzy, and we just go through a blur, and all of a sudden, it's like, I get it. All of a sudden, I know what my priorities ought to be, what my life really ought to be about. That's what we're talking about, where we say, not just about a scientific experiment or about how much I really want to love my spouse. But as the psalmist says, excuse me, yes, Psalm 57, awake my soul where your soul has an awakening. That's what this series is meant to be about. Now, some of us feel like we're too far gone, like we're too long gone, like God has written us off or we're ready to write God off. But you know, 92% of Americans say they believe in God. It's just that most of us feel distant and disconnected from Him. And so we want to try to wake up to the truth that we can find our way back and tap into some of the longings that all of us have and reconnect with God. I love that Jeremiah 29 says, when you call on me, what a great promise. When you call on God, he says, and when you pray to me, God says, I will listen to you. If you talk to God starting right now while I'm talking, God will listen and hear you. If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I love what James 4 says as it reminds us that, friends, whether you knew it or not, God has been moving towards you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, is the word from the Lord. Everybody is a spiritual being, whether we like to admit it or not. Some people don't like to think of themselves as spiritual people because they want to kind of write it off as a compartment that they're not really into. But you know what? You can't change the fact that you're a spiritual being. And we have this, therefore, innate desire built into us, hardwired into us to connect with God. And yet we live in this fallen, broken world and we're part of the problem that lives at a distance with God. And that frustration sometimes is... is something that just lulls us into sleep and we get used to it. We kind of forget about God. We drift. So do you know some of the, some of the waves that have led you down the beach? Further away from where you were really meant by your Creator to be? It's important to identify that so we kind of know where we are in life. Greg uh, is a friend. He grew up Catholic and he respects and loves that tradition. 
and had a good experience with it overall, but his family moved when he was in middle school, and they never really connected with another church. And then almost immediately, he was working so hard at fitting in, and then he got caught up in sports and music and girls and all of that stuff. And years later, he kind of had a walk up on the beach, look for the buildings moment, and realized he had drifted and found himself where he'd kind of almost completely forgotten about God. And today, he slips into Mass once in a while, not sure why. It doesn't feel right to him. He's not sure what he believes anymore. He's not at all clear how to find his way back to God or whether he should. My heart goes out to Greg, and I hope he's here the next several weeks. Maybe you can relate to Greg. Or maybe you can relate to Erin. She had parents who divorced when she was about eight years old. And for her, it was like her whole world just blew apart. She loved her daddy and adored him so much. And she could never figure out in her childhood and even up through her teen years and into adulthood why she wasn't good enough for him. That's how she looked at it. Why did he abandon her? What did she do wrong? And all that pain converted to anger and it's made her a kind of a bitter person. And today, inside of Aaron, where there used to be faith, is a hard place. It's just hardened over. And she's not sure about finding her way back to God. Maybe you were abused or neglected or hurt really badly in life. Maybe you prayed to God and thought He would help and you don't feel like He did. Maybe you've ridden the waves of busyness and activity, just meaning well all the time to include God, but through all the activities and the busy, busy, you thought you'd just walk up on the beach and find your way home and it hasn't happened. I spoke last Friday night to uh, our young adults in the thing we call the event, our 20-somethings. And I told them about my buddy named Rich, who I watched with great interest when he went off to university. He was a Christian kid, knew the Sunday school answers, but when he went off to university, he was ill-equipped for what hit him. I mean, his, his roommate was an avowed atheist who was very vocal. Uh, the first day of class, professor began to belittle the Bible and how naive and simplistic it was. And people talked about how many bad things Christianity had done in world history. And that combined with some of his own doubts that rose to the surface that he didn't know what to do with and how to integrate with faith. Combined with just wanting to fit in with a partying lifestyle. It just led him so far down the shore and he found himself not long after that, miles away from where he was with God, and it seemed like his naive, simplistic childhood version of faith wasn't what he wanted to return to. He thought maybe people who long to get back to God are just maybe, maybe they're just intellectual lightweights, and he didn't know what to do about it. Maybe you wrestle with some of the same things Rich did. I have friends who've lost loved ones, or feel like God has forgotten about them, or they've done really bad things and they think now God is disgusted with them. I have friends who, who are so disgusted with institutional church because of something that they, has gone on, or, or Christians who've treated them badly. I, I, there's, there's, a, there's a million reasons that we can ride waves that lead us down the beach, aren't there? But one way or another, the truth is we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And yet, we've got that inner longing to reconnect with the One who made us to find our way to our true and best home, the best version of ourselves. And that longing is what we want to tap into over the next several weeks together to get honest about it with God, to get honest about our own drifting and then honest about a God who in loving pursuit waits for us, longs for us, looks for us and allow ourselves to have a spiritual awakening.
a life awakening. Now, I want to make sure that some of you realize this isn't just for people. This is great news if you, like, have been away from God for a long time. Some of you are like, you know, well, I'm kind of in the fold. I'm one of the disciples. You know, we just finished a series talking about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm trying to love God, love people, serve the world. But you know what? We're sometimes the most vulnerable because there's an occupational hazard with being a Christian. And that is that we kind of tell ourselves that being in proximity, being around Jesus sometimes means we're on board with him and fully awake to him. And you know what? I can tell you as a pastor, that just isn't true. It isn't true for me. It isn't true for you. I think of that passage where Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. He's just agonizing over what's going on. He grabs some of his friends like us, disciples, and says, Are you with me? I've got to go pray to the Father about this. They go to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. He says, Just wait here. Pray while I go talk to the Father. And he comes back in verse 40. He says, Jesus returned to his friends and he found them what? Sleeping. Couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Peter, the one who said, I'll stay with you. See, this is so much a message for us, I think. I love the way the message version words that. Can't you stick it out with me for a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. This, there is a part of you that is eager and ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Boy, I can relate to that. Jesus goes away two more times. Each time he comes back, they're sleeping. And finally he comes back, verse 45, and says, I think maybe even to us, are you still sleeping and resting? Resting up for what? The hour is near. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. Maybe you hear the Spirit of Jesus speaking those words to you. Get up. Let's get going. Be about my mission. There's stuff to do. We need an awakening. Now remember, one of the reasons this sometimes strong word needs to come to us is because we're so doggone comfortable. I love what Anne Lamott says. She says, if we stay where we are, where we're stuck, where we're comfortable and safe, we die there. We become like mushrooms, living in the dark with poop up to our chins. If you want to know only what you already know, you're dying. If you want to feel only what you already feel, you're dying. If you want to be only what you already are, you're dying. You're saying, leave me alone. I don't mind this little rat hole. It's warm and dry and I like it. Really, it's fine. When nothing new can get in, friends, you're not just stable. When you're not drawing closer to God so He can draw close to you, you're not just maintaining, you're dying. And the thing is, we tell ourselves it's okay. And sometimes we just need some kind of wake-up call. And this is maybe our invitation to say, awake my soul and to get back with God. I think is what Paul is saying to the Ephesian church. Over in chapter 4, he talks to them about how just be aware of how you're going to get lulled into sleep and pulled along with empty-headed, empty, empty-headed um, mindless crowds. And then he says in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 11, he says, listen if this doesn't describe our lives. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. You ever feel like your life, your days, your months, your years sometimes are being consumed in barren pursuits that aren't really going to give any fruit? Expose the things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things that they have to do in darkness where no one else will see. Rip the cover off of those frauds and see how attractive they really look in the light of Christ. And then he says these words. He says, wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. 
Christ will show you the light. Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ is going to shine on you. And I think that's a strong word. Sometimes what we need is a kick in the shorts to wake up. I need it. My daughter needs it. She can sleep through an alarm right by her head. When I was in college, I don't know why, some, for some reason I thought it was a good idea to bring my trumpet. And um, since I had my trumpet, I thought, well, there's a good, good idea. Um, on a night when we had an all-nighter, you had to write a paper up all night or something like that, about 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., I'd take my trumpet, stick it under my coat, go up on the hill behind the dorms, and I would get it out and I would play as loud as I could, revelate, dun, 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 just blow it as loud as I could, long enough so I'd see lights flip on and people started to get annoyed, but not long enough to ever get caught. I put it under my coat, run back around the back way, get in my room. I did that all year. In fact, I hope none of them listen to uh, the sermon series or they'll know it was me. But um, sometimes we kind of need that blast, that horn blast, that, that wow, uh, abrupt awakening like, uh, awakening like a kick in the shorts. On the day of Pentecost, when people heard for the first time, when Peter said, Jesus Christ has given his life, he's died, he, he died at the hands of, of sinners on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. They were moved. They were motivated. They were like, we must get right with God. What should we do, they asked Peter. And Peter said, Acts 2.38, he said, well, you should, you should repent of your sins. You should turn to God away from your sins and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. It was like a horn blast to the face. And you know what? 3,000 of them that day were baptized. And by the way, today at 4 o'clock, some of you might need to join me in the, in the little baptistry we have that looks a lot like a swimming pool in our parking lot right now. At 4 o'clock today, we're going to have baptisms today. For anyone that needs to respond to that scripture, if you are motivated and moved and cut to the heart and want to begin your awakening, maybe you're ready for the waters of baptism today. And sometimes we need that kind of kick in the shorts, like a horn blast. Now, here's what else I know. I know that a lot of us are kind of overwhelmed and gun-shy and afraid of that. And honestly, I think probably the last thing some of us need is a kick in the shorts because we're already hurting. We're already afraid that we're not going to measure up or that this is going to be just some kind of guilt fest if I get close to God. Maybe you're already turned off by church, not too crazy about the idea of getting back to God because of just maybe what you've been told about it. A horn blast would make a lot of us probably just want to run away. Here's what I want you to hear today. I want you to know that God understands that. God knows you. He's not a one-size-fits-all approach to people. He's not, never has been. He meets us right where we are. He's very gracious and patient. Because his goal and his agenda is not to get you to do something what he wants you to do. His goal, you know what God's goal and agenda, if scripture can be believed, God's goal and his agenda is you and a relationship with you. It's you. The awakening that we need to have is that the thing God wants most of all is not for us to start doing something and clean up our act and get fly right now and all of that. Well, we need to understand the awakening we need to have is how much God loves us and wants us. That makes the awakening not a rude awakening, a, an alarm clock by the head. It makes it, a, it makes it a gentle waking to something beautiful where you open your eyes and you see the world you were meant to live in. Home. I'm encouraging everyone to get the book. 
um, that we're using to sort of follow along and together, written by two buddies, friends of mine, Dave and John Ferguson, they're brothers, and, uh, and uh, it's called Finding Your Way Back to God. You grab the book and read it in the first section, and we'll talk about it next week. And uh, they tell a story in there that played out in the news a few years back. It was kind of Ed Smart's worst nightmare when he stepped out of his house and on his front lawn there was all that media there and cameras set up and he moved up to the microphone in order to give a message that he hoped his missing daughter Elizabeth would hear. He said, Elizabeth, if you're out there, we want you to know we're doing everything we possibly can to help you and find you and bring you home. And then fighting back tears, he pleaded with the kidnappers. He said, um, please, please let her go. Just let her go. You can just feel the pain and the anxiety of that family as they were so worried about their 14-year-old daughter Elizabeth who'd been abducted from her living room the night before. For the next nine months, Elizabeth lived under the oppression of her captors. They forced her to wear a wig and some costumes and disguises in public and paraded her around in places close by where she lived to sort of deprogram her in a way. They indoctrinated her and nobody ever recognized her. Police and experts on this say that what happened with Elizabeth is sometimes called Stockholm Syndrome. You see it sometimes when someone's abducted and then controlled like that. And what happened in Elizabeth is that she no longer identified with the smarts. She didn't see them as her real family and that is her real home. Instead, she began to sympathize with and identify with and have this sort of strange bond with her captors, the very oppressors who had kidnapped her. It's a kind of bizarre loyalty that forms often as a way of just masking all of the pain of the current situation. So she really, in some way, on the surface at least, didn't really even know she was lost anymore. One day a police officer spotted a vaguely familiar teenage girl on a corner uh, of an intersection and stopped her to ask her some questions. And finally, after a little while, this girl blurted out, I know you think I'm Elizabeth Smart, but I'm not. He asked her about the wig, and she insisted it was her own hair. He asked her about the people she was with, and she said, no, those are my real parents, even though they were, in fact, her kidnappers. She had just pushed everything about who she was beneath the surface and forgotten who she belonged to, who she was. The officer, though, looked her in the eye and very gently said, Elizabeth, I know who you are. You're Elizabeth Smart. And you have a family who loves you, a home that is waiting for you, and I want to take you home. And then he showed her a picture of herself, a missing persons bulletin. And that was her moment of truth, where she looked at who she really was and where she had come to. She saw the gap. And tears came into her eyes, and she longed in that moment to go home for the first time. It was an awakening. And she did go home. And I think each of us has that same situation before us. Having found a sort of strange peace, a sort of comfort level we've arrived at with the way that we are living now. Further away from home than maybe we even want to admit. I bet there are some people 
here listening to me now who, like Elizabeth Smart, would admit in a moment of truth and raw honesty that beneath the surface there's a hunger for home, for breakthrough, for connection, for hope, for meaning, for more, to find love, to let the hardened places soften, to stop pretending and to have a real awakening with God. And I hope you can hear God's voice just like Elizabeth did. Not a trumpet blast if that isn't what you need, but a gentle voice saying, I know who you are, you have a home where you're welcome. And have an awakening and find your way back to home to God as well. The beautiful thing about this awakening thing is that God understands how we got where we are. Some of us have regrets we never dreamed we'd have. Some of us have pain we didn't want, but it came. Some of us have hungers that we've just had to push down in life because of the way life has unfolded. Or we've had intellectual doubts. We've had things that we've come up against that we can't handle on our own. But above it all, instead of believing that those things define our lives, what we're invited to risk believing is that the most important thing about you is not any of those things. That they don't really define you. That's not really who you are. That failure, that success, your identity as this kind of employee, your sexual identity, your family name, none of that is really who you are. Because who you really are is a child of God and you're meant to come home to life in Christ. And deep down, if we'll listen to those longings, it will lead us right back to God. You know, Augustine, Augustine was a theologian from the 3rd and 4th century who said it this way, Our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. Our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. And that's what we're going to do in this series is try to find those restless parts of our souls and listen to them enough to find our way to the God who's calling us. There are five awakenings that the book actually walks through and we're going to spend some time on each one. And I want you to, to just try to find your own story, to be honest about your story. Not what someone tells you your story is, not what you want your story to be, but what is your real story? I think you're going to find it somewhere in one or all of these five awakenings. The first awakening, we'll jump in on this next week, is the awakening to longing where we just are, are saying somehow deep down there's got to be more. And then we'll talk the week after that about the awakening to regret, where we say, man, I wish I could start over. And then we want to talk thirdly about the awakening to need, where we come up against things in life and recognize, man, I, I, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. And then the awakening to love, where we say, God really does love me after all. And finally, the awakening to life, where we say, now this is what life was meant to look like. This is really living I'm going to encourage you to be here every weekend. I'm going to encourage you to invite someone. This is, this, is the, this is a church for people who don't go to church. And this is, if there ever was, a time, uh, a series, an experience for people who are far from God. Invite those friends. They'll never know if you don't, if you don't tell them. I'm going to encourage you to get the book. Uh, now, <clears throat> something happened this week. Um, Friday, someone called me and said, Ben, strange thing happened. Um... I, someone showed up at my door and handed me a check with several thousand dollars. 
and I wasn't expecting it. It was a great uncle who died, and, and uh, we thought of all the things we could do with that money right away, but my wife and I are very clear what God is telling us. We want it to go toward awakening and somehow provide books for people who might not otherwise be able to get one. And so, here's the deal. If you already bought your book for $10, thank you. You probably could afford it. From now on, books aren't $10. They're half that price. $10 will get you two. You can't buy one for five. $10, though, will get you two. You're going to take one and give one away to someone who needs one. Someone at work, someone a friend, someone who doesn't go to any church somewhere. You're going to get $10 for two of them thanks to the, our, the, the generosity of one of our friends, okay? Get connected with some friends. Say, hey, we're going to, I, I'm reading this book. It's about uh, you know, finding a way back to God. Or would you like to read it with me and talk about it? Have a group at church or you can, or at work or you can connect in your neighborhood or just invite some friends or you can join one of the existing small groups at Mountain. There's over 200 to choose from. Some of them are large groups that meet and, the, and you can go on our website, sign up today, stop out in the information center, any of our campuses, uh, get grouped, get the book, invite someone and then will you just be open to whatever it is that God might be saying to you through this. Will you just be open to the fact that there might be an awakening that you could experience so you could hear the voice of the Lord speaking over the, the loud noise of the waves and you could hear Him calling you home. We're going to challenge each other to just get gut level honest through betting on God. You maybe heard about the 17th century mathematician Blaise Pascal. He knew about God. He grew up believing in God of sorts, but kind of mildly interested in following Him at a distance. But then he had an awakening, and he drew close to God, and this profound insight, this epiphany, reignited his desire to help other people find their way back to God and have a similar awakening. So he began to challenge his academic friends to place a bet on God, to make a wager, if you will. He dared them to step into a belief in God and just see if it didn't change their lives somehow. And that's what we're challenging each other to in this awakening experience as well. Here's how Pascal put it. Here's Pascal's wager. It goes like this. Let us weigh the gain and loss in wagering that God is. Let us estimate that these two chances. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Wager then, without hesitation, that he is. That's my challenge to you. What a great step. Cut through all the crud and the falseness and the good intentions, the religious hype and all, you know, what people think of you and all of that stuff. Put it all aside and just realize if you gamble on God and it's real and he's there and he draws near to you and you draw near to him, it will change everything about your life, your meaning, your purpose, your joy, your satisfaction and your eternal status. And you've got nothing on the downside to lose. Not a zip. Nothing. It's a safe bet. It's a good gamble, and I hope you'll do it. Here's the prayer. We'll put it on the screen. These are the words we're going to dare to say. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Will you say those words with me? God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. I dare you. I dare you to pray that prayer with as much raw honesty as you can muster. And let's see what happens. Okay? Let's pray together. God, if you're there and this whole thing we're doing today isn't a joke, then you are real. And I pray you will make yourself real to us. Move among us. Meet us. Find us. Wait for us. Draw us close to you 
Help us to long for you. Help us to grow in you. We're ready. Bring us an awakening, we pray. Amen.